0: chapter seventeen of the mesmerous victim by Alexandre dumas translated by henry l williams this librivox recording is in the public domain the secret society lodge the famous royal special court the bed of justice which is the french equivalent for the star chamber was held with all the ceremonial which royal pride required on the one hand and the intriguers who urged their master to this exercise of royal claims on the other the king pretended to be serene, but he was not at ease, yet his magnificent costume was admired, and nothing cloaks a man's defects like majesty. The Dauphiness wore a plaintive look through all the affair. Lady Dubarry was brave, with the confidence given by youth and beauty. She seemed a ray of lustre from the king whose left-hand queen she was. Aguillon walked among the peers firmly so that none could have guessed that it was across him the king and parliament were exchanging blows. He was pointed at by the crowd, and the parliamentarists scowled at him, but that was all. Besides, the multitude, kept at a distance by the soldiers, betrayed its presence only by a humming, not yet a hooting. The king's speech began in honey, but ended in a dash of vitriol so sharp that the nobles smiled. But parliament with the admirable unanimity of constitutional bodies kept a tranquil and indifferent aspect which highly displeased the king and the aristocratic spectators on the stands the dauphiness turned pale with wrath from thus for the first time measuring popular resistance and calculating the weight of its power after the king's speech was read by the chancellor the king to the amazement of everybody made a sign that he was going to speak Attention became stupor, how many ages were in that second! You hear what my Chancellor informs you of my will, he said in a firm voice, think only to carry it out, for I shall never change! The whole assembly was literally thunder-stricken, the Dauphiness thanked the speaker with a glance of her fine eyes; Lady Dubarry, electrified, could not refrain from rising, and she would have clapped her hands but for the fear that the mob would stone her to death on going out, or to receive next day satirical songs, each worse than the other. "'Do you hear?' she said to the Duke of Richelieu, who had bowed lowly to his triumphing nephew. "'The King will never change, he says.' "'They are terrible words indeed,' he replied.' but those poor parliamentists did not notice that in saying he would never change the king had his eyes on you she was a woman and no politician she only saw a compliment where aguillon perceived the epigram and the threat the effect of the royal ultimatum was immediately favourable to the royal cause but often a heavy blow only stuns and the blood circulates the more purely and richly for the shock This was the reflection made by three men in the crowd as they looked on from the corner. Chance had united them here, and they appeared to watch the impression of the throng. "'This ripens the passions,' observed one of them, an old man with brilliant eyes and a soft and honest face. "'A bed of justice is a great work.' I but you may make a bed and not get justice to go to sleep on it sneered a young man i seem to know you we have met before queried the old man the night of the accident through the fireworks you are not wrong monsieur rousseau oh you are my fellow-countrymen the young surgeon marat yes at your service the third man did not speak he was young and had a noble face during the ceremony he had done nothing but study the crowd the surgeon was the first to depart plunging on to the thick of the mob which had forgotten him being less grateful than rousseau but he intended to remind them some day waiting till he had gone the other young man addressed the philosopher saying are you not going i am too old to risk myself in that crush in that case said the young man lowering his voice we shall meet to-night in plastrietta street do not fail brother rousseau the author started as though a phantom had risen in face of him his usually pale tint became livid he meant to reply to the other but he had vanished after these singular words from the stranger trembling and unhappy rousseau meandered among the groups without remembering that he was old and feared the press soon he got out upon notre dame bridge and he crossed in musing and self-questioning the Greve ward next his own so the secret which every one initiated is sworn to guard at the peril of his life is in the grip of the first comer this is the result of the secret societies being made too popular a man knows me that i am his associate perhaps his accomplice such a state of things is absurd and intolerable i want to learn the bottom of the plan for human regeneration framed by those chosen spirits called the illuminati i was mad enough to believe that good ideas could come from germany that land of mental mist and beer "'I have entangled myself with some idiots or knaves "'who used it as cloak to conceal their folly. "'But no, this shall not be. "'A lightning flash has shown me the abyss, "'and I am not going to throw myself into it with lightness of heart.' "'Leaning on his cane,' He stopped in the street for an instant yet it was a lovely dream he meditated liberty in bondage the future conquered without noise and shocks and the net mysteriously spun and laid over the tyrants while they slumbered it was altogether too lovely and i was a dupe to believe it i do not want any of these fears doubts and shadows which are unworthy of a free mind and independent body at this he caught sight of some police officers and they so frightened the free mind and impelled the independent body that he hastened to seek the darkest shade under the pillars where he was strolling it was not far to his house where he took refuge from his thoughts and his wife the spitfire of this modern socrates he now began to think that there might be danger in not keeping the appointment at the secret lodge of which the stranger in the mob had spoken if they have penalties against turncoats "'They must have them for the lukewarm and the negligent,' he reasoned. "'I have always noticed that black threats and grey danger amount to little. "'One must be on guard against petty stings, paltry revenge, "'hoaxes and annoyances of small calibre the application of wild justice by capital sentences is extremely rare some day my brother freemasons will even up matters with me by stretching a rope across my staircase so that i shall break a limb or knock out the half-dozen teeth still my own or a brick may stave in my skull as i go under a scaffolding better than that they may have some pamphleteer living near me in the league who will watch what i do that can be done as the meetings are held in my own street this quill driver "'will publish details of how my wife scolds, "'which will make me the laughing-stock of all the town. <sighs> "'Have I not enemies all around me?' "'Then his thoughts changed. "'Pah! Where is courage, and where honor?' "'He said. "'Am I afraid of myself?' Shall I see a rogue or a poltroon when I look in the glass? No, this shall not be. I will keep the tryst, though the entire universe coalesces to work my misery, though the cellars in the street broke down to swallow me up. Pretty reasonings, fear lead a man into since that man spoke to me i have been swinging round in a circle of nonsense i am doubting everything myself included this is not logical i know that i am not an enthusiast and i would not believe this association could work wonders unless it would do so what says that i am not going to be the regenerator of humanity i who have searched and whom the mysterious agents of this limitless power sought out on the strength of my writings am i to recede from following up my theory and putting it into action he became animated what is finer ages on the march the people issuing from the state of brutes step following step in the gloom and a hand beckoning out of the darkness the immense pyramid of rising on the tip of which future ages will set the crown the bust of rousseau citizen of geneva who risked his life and his liberty to be true to his motto truth is more than life night came and he passed out of his house He peeped around to make sure no vehicles were about the street was full of loungers who stared at one another as usual or halted at the store windows to ogle the girls a man the more would not be perceived in the scuffle rousseau dived into it and he had no long road to travel before the door where rousseau was to meet the brothers a street singer with a shrill fiddle was stationed Nothing was more favorable to a jam in the thoroughfare than the crowd caused by the amateurs of this rude music. Everybody had to go one side or another of the group. Rousseau remarked that many of those who chose to take the inside and go along by the houses became lost on the road as though they fell down some trap-door. He concluded that they came on the same errand as himself and meant to follow their example. Passing behind the group round the musician, He watched the first person passing this, who went up the alley of the house. He was more timid than him and his friends, for he waited till ten had disappeared. Then, too, when a cab came along and called all eyes toward the street, he dived into the passage. It was black, but he soon spied a light ahead, under which was seated a man, placidly reading as a tradesman is in the custom to do after business hours. At Rousseau's steps, He lifted his head and plainly laid his finger on his breast, lit up by the lamp. The philosopher replied to the sign by laying a finger on his lips. Thereupon the guard rose, and opening a door so artistically cut into the panelling, so as to be unseen, he showed Rousseau a flight of stairs. It went steeply down into the ground. On the visitor entering, the door closed noiselessly, but rapidly. Groping with his cane, Rousseau went down the steps, thinking it a poor joke for his colleagues to try to break his neck and limbs so soon on the threshold. But the stairs were not so long as steep. He had counted seventeen steps when a puff of the warm air from a collection of men smote his face. It was a cellar, hung with canvas painted with workmen's tools, more symbolical than accurate. A solitary lamp swung from the ceiling and cast a sinister glimmer on faces honest enough in themselves. The men were whispering to each other on benches. Instead of carpet or even planks, reeds had been strewn to deaden sound. Nobody appeared to pay any heed to Rousseau. Five minutes before, he had wished for nothing so much as this entrance. Now he was sorry that he had slipped in so smoothly. He saw one place empty on one of the rear benches, and he went and sat there modestly. He counted thirty-three heads in the gathering, a desk on a raised stage waited for the chairman of the club he remarked that the conversation was very brief and guarded many did not move their lips only three or four couples really chatted those who were silent strove to hide their faces an easy matter from the lamp-throwing masses of shadows the refuge of these timid folk seemed to be behind the chairman's stage but two or three to make up for this shrinking bustled about to identify their colleagues they went to and fro spoke together and often disappeared through a doorway masked by a curtain painted with red flames on a black ground presently a bell rang plainly and simply a man left the bench where he had been mixed up with the others and took his place at the desk after having made some signs with fingers and hands which the assemblage repeated and sealed all with a more explicit gesture he declared the lodge open he was a complete stranger to rousseau under the appearance of a superior craftsman he hid much presence of mind and he spoke with eloquence as fluid as a trained orator his speech was clear and short signifying that the lodge was held for the reception of a new member you must not be surprised at the meeting taking place where the usual initiation ceremonies cannot be performed such tests are considered useless by the chiefs the brother to be received is one of the torches of contemporaneous philosophy a deep spirit devoted to us by conviction not fear he who has plumbed all the mysteries of nature and the human heart would not feel the same impressions as this ordinary mortal who seeks our assistance in will strength and means to win his cooperation it will be ample to be content with the pledge and acquiescence of this distinguished mind and honest and energetic character the orator looked round to see the effect of his plea it was magical on rousseau he knew what were the preliminary proceedings of secret societies he viewed them with the repugnance natural and superior minds the absurd concessions but useful ones required to simulate fear in the novices when there was nothing to fear appeared to him the culmination of puerility and idle superstition moreover the timid philosopher the enemy of personal display reckoned himself unfortunate if compelled to be a sight even though the attacks upon him would be in earnest to be thus dispensed from the trial was more than satisfaction He knew the rigor of equality in the Masonic rites. This exception in his favor was, therefore, a triumph. "'Still,' said the chairman, "'as the new brother loves equality like myself, "'I will ask him to explain himself on the question "'which I put solely for form's sake. "'What do you seek in our society?' Rousseau took two steps forward, and answered, as his dreamy and melancholy eye wandered over the meeting, "'I seek here what I have not found elsewhere—truths, not sophisms. If I have agreed to come here after having been entreated,' he emphasized the word, "'it is from my belief that I might be useful.' it is i who am conferring the obligation alas we all may have passed away before you can supply me with the means of defence or help me to freedom with your hands if i should be imprisoned or give me bread and comfort if afflicted for the light cometh slowly progress has a halting step and where the light is quenched none of us may be able to revive it illustrious brother you are wrong said the soft and penetrative voice of one who charmed the philosopher more than you imagine lies in the scope of this society it is the future of the world the future is hope science heaven the chief architect who hath promised to illuminate his great building the earth the architect does not lie startled by this lofty language rousseau looked and recognized the young man who had reminded him of the meeting at the street corner it was baron balsamo clad in black with marked richness and great style He was leaning on the side rail of the platform, and his face softly lighted up, shone with all its beauty, grace, and natural expressiveness. "'Science,' repeated the author, "'a bottomless pit. Do you prate to me of science? Comfort? Future and promise, where another tells of material things.' rigour and violence which am i to believe and he glanced at marat whose hideous face did not harmonize with balsamo's are there in the lodge meeting wolves just as in the world above wolf and lamb let me tell you what my faith is if you have not read it in my books books interrupted marat granted they are sublime but they are utopias you are useful in the sense of the old proser's being useful you point out the boon but you make it a bubble beautiful with the sunshine playing in a rainbow on it but it bursts and leaves a nasty taste on the lips "'Have you seen the great acts of nature accomplished without preparation?' Retorted Rousseau, "'You want to regenerate the world by deeds? "'This is not regeneration, but revolution.' "'Then,' sharply replied the surgeon, "'you do not care for independence or liberty?' "'Yes, I do,' returned the other. "'For independence is my idol, liberty my goddess. "'But I want the mild and radiant liberty which warms and vivifies, "'the equality which brings men together by friendship, not fear.' i wish the education and instruction of each element of the social body as the joiner wishes neat joints and the mechanician harmony i retract what i have written progress concord and devotion marat smiled with disdain rivers of milk and honey The dreams of the poets which philosophers want to realize rousseau replied no more it was so odd for him to be accused of moderation when all europe called him an extreme innovator he sat down in silence after having sought for the approval of the person who had defended him you have heard asked the chairman rising is the brother worthy to enter the society does he comprehend his duties yes replied the gathering but the one of reservation showed no unanimity take the oath said the presiding officer it will be disagreeable to me to displease some of the members said the philosopher with pride but i think that i shall do more for the world and for you brothers apart from you in my own isolation leave me then to my labors i am not shaped to march with others whom i shun yet i serve them because i am one of you and i try to believe you are better than you are now "'You have my entire mind.' "'He won't take the oath,' exclaimed Marat. "'I refuse, positively. "'I do not wish to belong to the society. "'Too many proofs come up that I shall be useless to it.' "'Brother,' said the member with the conciliating speech, Allow me thus to call you, for we are all brothers, apart from all combinations of human minds. Do not yield to a movement of spite. Sacrifice a little of your proper pride. Do for us what may be repugnant to you. Your counsel, ideas, and presence are the light. Do not plunge us into the double darkness of your refusal and your absence nay i take away nothing said the author if you wish the name and the spiritual essence of jean jacques rousseau put my books on your chairman's table and when my turn to speak comes round open one and read as far as you like that will be my advice my opinion stop a moment said surgeon Murat, as the last speaker took a step to go out. "'Free will is all very well, and the illustrious philosophers should be respected like the rest. But it strikes me as far from regular to let an outsider into the sanctuary, who, being bound by no clause, even tacit, may, without being a dishonest man, reveal our proceedings.' Rousseau returned him, his pitying smile i am ready for the oath if one of discretion he said but the unnamed member who had watched the debate with authority which nobody questioned though he stood in the crowd approached the chairman and whispered in his ear quite so replied the venerable and he added you are a man not a brother but one whose honor places you on our level we here lay aside our position to ask your simple promise to forget what has passed between us!" "Like a dream in the morning, I swear on my honor," replied Rousseau with feeling. He went out upon those words and many members at his seals. End of chapter seventeen Recording by John Vanstan, Savannah, Georgia.